Belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for August 21st, 2022 is called, Okay, But How? The speaker is John Ray, and it was recorded on Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Again, good morning. My name is John Ray. For those listening on the podcast, watching on the live stream, we are glad you are here. This past Monday, author, pastor, and theologian Frederick Beekner passed away at 96. And just real quick, who's read Beekner before? Um, he's not super popular, I would say, with that. Um, in being advanced in age 96, probably the bulk of his writing was maybe 30 years ago. But y'all, it'll melt your brain. It's so good. Um, just reading the memorials as I went through, you know, people posting quotes and about their favorite books and the things that had influenced them, um, you saw some of the most prominent Christian thinkers, theologians, public figures, all paying tribute to Beekner and his thoughts. And so um, if you haven't read him and you, and you want to know where to start, let me know. I've got lots and lots of suggestions uh, as that goes. But one of the things that he said, one of the most profound things, and it's, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a quote that I share, gosh, I can't say how often, um, but he wrote this one time. He said, the grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might never have been, but you are, because the party wouldn't be complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Now, I feel like I could just close my notes right now and just end with that, and we all go and meditate on this. But even that small snippet, here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Here is the world. The echoes of Jesus are inescapable. Friends, we are invited into a faith that while not of the world, is in the world. Our faith is meant for living in this world. It is not of the world, but it is for the world. And if you're like me, who grew up in an eschatology or a way of seeing things at the end, oftentimes it was communicated to me that my faith was for escaping the world. Or my faith was to to help me um, not go to hell when I die. But but that faith was after. It It was for something after this world. A way out. Or a promise of something different after. And y'all, we need, to, we need to recapture this imagination of our faith being for the world. Not just for in the sense of it's for us to live into it, but it is also for the world. It is the demonstration of the gospel that brings the good news to people who are oppressed and broken 
and ignorant and hurting and longing. Our faith is for them. Not just for our own personal salvation or sanctification. It is for that, yes. But it is not only for that. And maybe, maybe, not even primarily for that. So we have to reorient our imagination around this. And so we've been going through, as we've been going through our Discovering Grace, which we do every year, and we talk about the ethos and the, the reason why we're together, and we've taken a week, and Shannon led us through, you know, what it means to belong, and then Jennifer did this incredible teaching on how we become, and if you haven't, if you weren't here, you haven't heard that yet, please listen to the podcast, it's phenomenal, uh, you'll never eat sauerkraut the same way. And then we talked about last week, you know, what it is we believe and about how we practice that. But then we get to this week and we talk about, well, well, then how? Okay, great. You say these things. Fine, John. You stand up there and you preach. Belong, become, believe. Great. How? Now, this is where it gets scary. Okay? I told you I was going to walk the tightrope. Personally, like, so our daughter Hannah was a diver. She dove for the U of A, and, and she would dive off the 10-meter platform. I couldn't, y'all, I couldn't watch it. Like, I just couldn't do it. I can't watch gymnastics on TV. I get way too anxious. Like, the thought of twirling on top of a wood beam where you could smack your head, I can't, I can't do it. I just get caught up. And I feel like, in a way, I'm on the balance beam this morning. And here's why. Because we're going to talk about tangible, practical stuff. So immediately when I start talking, there are going to be people in here who are so overwhelmed with life right now. Who are so burnt out, overwhelmed, overcome, that it's going to feel like, hey, you're drowning? Let me throw you a stone. I know there's going to be people in here like that. That you're like, I'm already maxed out, John. Don't give me one more thing. Do not give me one more thing to do. There's also going to be people in here who are like, okay, give me the list. (laughs) Like, they're the strategizers. They're the list makers. They're like the rule followers, right? Like, okay, give me the thing because what I want to do is check it off and then forget about it and move on. That's not what I want you to do. All right, we're talking about something different. We're not giving a list of things to do so that you can check them off and get your spiritual brownie points. There's also going to be the people in here that are like, okay, fine, make me. (laughs) That as soon as I say something to do, the natural response is going to be, uh-huh, you and what army are going to do this? Right? And then then you're going to have people in here who are the gluttons for responsibility. They're like, okay, all right, just, okay, one more, yeah, give me, give me the thing because I feel like I have to do it. And you're, and you're going to do it out of guilt or obligation or shame. Okay, so I just want everybody to lay, lay those down. Just lay those down. And I will try to walk the tightrope here so that you're not feeling overwhelmed, guilty, burdened, doing those things. 
the truth is a lot of what we're going to talk about this morning, we're already doing. We talk about gathering with friends. We talk about sharing meals. We talk about getting our kids together to play with other kids and things like that. We're already doing them. We're already always being discipled by something or someone. We're already giving our time and attention to things. What we want to talk about today is how do we reorder those maybe? How do we reimagine those things? How do we do things that we're already doing, but do them maybe with a different intent and a different context with those things? So a lot of it is not like, hey, here's something new to do. It's just like, hey, consider what you're already doing, and let's try to do it maybe a little bit differently towards a little bit different end with that. And it's also to imagine the things that we're already doing, but do them from a different motivation. Do them instead of one out of obligation or guilt and start to see, hey, I get to do these things. I'm actually invited and, I, and I'm allowed to do these things. I get to do the thing. It's a privilege. It's an, it's an invitation into something good with that. And when we understand the motivation is different, the task totally changes with that. So, are you with me? Everybody kind of self-identified out there where you are on the spec. Did I miss anything? As far as reactions, anybody out there saying, well, you didn't say what I'm feeling. It's okay. You can say it now. I want to make sure. All right. We've pretty much covered. And the truth is, look, all of us are all of those things. Right? We're never solely just one thing. All of those things are in each side, are inside each of us with that. So the big idea here, as we read this scripture, is that embodying the values of belong, become, believe takes imagination and intention, patience, attentiveness, and discerning action. If all we do is talk about what we believe here for these past three weeks and we don't do anything about it, heaven help us. Like, like God help us. The, I love what Michael Gorman, the theologian Michael Gorman says. He says the church is to be a living hermeneutic of the kingdom. Uh, the hermeneutic is how we understand things. It's the demonstration of what things mean, right? And, and I can give you a book or I can say come watch. And really both are necessary. We need to read. We need to, to understand that. But the proof of what we believe is not going to be in the sermons. It's going to be how we act. It's going to be the actions that we take moving forward. And discerning our situation and our setting and our, and our attentions, that's an ongoing process. This isn't a static thing. I'm not aiming towards some perfect model that once we get the model, we can all just go, ah, well, done, finished. Glad I got that over with. Or that was wonderful. Isn't it great? Let's put it up on the shelf. It's a, it's a living thing, which we're going to talk about here as we go. Well, let's look at some text. Now, I'm going to read a lot of text. You can read along if you want. We're going to start with Romans 12, which Jennifer used the other day, which I thought was, was brilliant in this. We're going to look at it a little bit different way. And I want you just to listen. I'm going to read, I'm going to read from uh, Romans, and I'm going to read from Acts, and I'm going to read from 2 Timothy. And I, and I want you just to listen to the Word. And I want you to listen without anxiety. I want you to listen without maybe even necessarily trying to take notes or trying to pull a principle out of it. Just, just listen to the words. 
Therefore I exhort you, sisters and brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good, well-pleasing, and perfect. For by, the grace of, for by the grace given to me, I say everyone of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but think with sober discernment, as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. For just as one body, we have men, many members. And not all the members serve the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members who belong to one another. Then cutting to Acts. So Paul writes this to a community. And then we see it playing out in Acts. He says, from the apostles and elders, this is Acts 15, starting verse 22. From the apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile brothers and sisters in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some of you have gone out from among us with no orders from us and have confused you, upsetting your minds by what they said, we have unanimously decided to choose men to send to you along with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus. For it seemed best to the Holy Spirit and to us. And then in 2 Timothy 2, and what you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be competent to teach others as well. So why those three texts in succession? And we rarely do this. Normally we look at one text in depth. But I wanted to, give a, I wanted to paint a picture for you of what I'm talking about when we talk about these intentional actions. First, it starts with this basic idea that we have to understand. We are formed to flourish in community. We are formed, we are created, we are designed to flourish in community. And only in community. And this happens when we intentionally bring our whole selves wholeheartedly into the kingdom life together. Y'all, we live in a, it's impossible for us to, to be totally free of the individualistic imagination. The Lone Ranger theology. The idea that if I could just get away and be by myself, I could, I could get everything figured out together. It just doesn't work that way. I don't care if you're the most gregarious extrovert out there and it just comes natural or like my own wife, who is just the most fabulous introvert in the world, right? Like, we all need each other. Now, that looks different for different people, but the baseline is this commitment to community and understanding that we have to be in that community in order to flourish. The second thing is we're called and committed to figure out this life together with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it is hard to overestimate the profound importance of that little scripture that says it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. When we become followers of Jesus, we don't all of a sudden just somehow be able to open our head and, and God drop stuff in there like automatons and then just doing things. 
Like, no, we're always figuring this out. We're always asking questions. We're always practicing. We're always trying stuff. I can no more tell you that if this is going to work. And we seem to have an affirmation of the Holy Spirit. So, <laughs> and you hope you hope it holds. And you know what? Sometimes it doesn't, and it's okay. It's okay if it doesn't. But we that's how we act. That's how we make our decisions going forward. And then the last thing with this is that the whole thing is not just for us, for other, but it's for others. This is not, ultimately, Christianity following Jesus is not just a self-help club. We're not here to all work out and see how buff we can get so we can flex in the mirror. You know, with that, that's, that's not what this is about. We're here for the sake of others. And in that, we get what we need and more than what we need. But those two always go together with us as we do this. And again... It's super easy to, to listen to this, to listen to any teaching like this, and think it's a critique or a criticism. Like, okay, now John's going to bring the hammer, and he's going to tell us all the, all the things we've done wrong and all the things we've got to do from now on. It's not that. Look, I look around this church, and I'm blown away every Sunday. I see what people give to make this thing happen. Time, money, attention. And not just this. But there are people in our community who are every day sacrificing in our schools, in our health care facilities, at the homeless shelter, with the refugees. Like, y'all, we make no mistake, Grace Church, and I'm going to brag a little bit here, so I hope I'm not going too far out of line, but Grace Church punches way above its weight for who we are and what we do. And what we've got. In this community, this church punches way above its weight. If you look at if you look at the panorama of the things that the members of this church are involved in in our community, everything from councils on city commissions to board of directors for civic institutions to places in educational institutions and the way that they serve in the in medicine and arts and community things, y'all, it's awesome. So this is not a critique saying, hey guys, you've been slacking too long, time to do, no, it's not that at all. But it is this call to say, hey, this is the time of year. School starting back, things going, that we stop and we go, okay, is there any adjustment that needs to be made? Where are my commitments going to be? As I look ahead, as we look ahead to the months ahead, where am I going to invest my time? Where am I going to invest my attention? Where am I going to invest my affections with this? And see if there needs to be changes to be made. All of us do that. 
because it's an ongoing process. Y'all, this church is a ship at sea. We're not dry docked, dry docked somewhere where we can get everything perfect and then just gently step our toes in the water. Like, we're out there. It's going. So what we do constantly when you're out on sea, right, is you're like, okay, are all my sails good? Or am I, am I leaking water anywhere? Uh, what's the sea like in this season? Because in addition to everybody's personality, we're all in different seasons. Some of us are in seasons of flourishing. Some of us are in seasons of, man, I'm just, I love it. I'm giving and, and good fruit is coming out. Others of us are in seasons of drought. Like it just all feels dry. It all feels parched. So we have to add that element in with that. But we take account. We look out. We go, what does this sea like? Am I in a storm? Am I in the doldrums? Am I got a great tailwind? Where am I? And then we also say, am I still headed towards course? Am I still on course? Am I still headed where I need to be? Because it's easy to feel like, hey, I got it all together. And then you look up and you're like, Oh my gosh, my exit was three exits ago. Anybody else do that? Like you get on your route and you're in, I did, I did it driving to church this morning. I did it driving here. I was literally, I had to stop somewhere along the way and I got in my car and I was halfway here and I realized, wait, I've got to go back and get that other thing. So, so we're always doing that. This is just a time of year where it's really good to kind of really stop and intentionally take have you missed your exit somewhere? Have you gone too far? Are you on the right road? Are you going the right way with that? So, I believe in this church. And I believe what God is doing in us, through us, and among us. The thing is, ultimately, and if there is a critique, this is it. And this is not... But this is not just for us as Grace Church. This is us as Western 21st century Protestant Christians. We have to purge ourselves of thinking like consumers in an economy and instead start thinking of ourselves as organisms in an ecosystem. If there is anything that is going to sabotage the things that I say here today, it is that we're going to apply that consumer mentality to it. That we are going to apply that I'm just here as a, as a trade-off for religious good or service. And that as a consumer, I'm going to approach all of this that way that I'm going to look for the best bargain, that I'm going to, instead of a scriptural imagination, forgive me here, Jeff, I'm going to apply a Walmart imagination, which is cost less, live better, which is basically the equation that the highest good or value that I have is the thing that costs me the less, that I get the most bargain for my buck. Listen, we can't operate like that as a church. Not this church, not any church. It's, it's unsustainable. And instead, we go back to this metaphor that Paul gives us in Romans 12, right? Is that we're, we're a living organism. We're an ecosystem. And we're organisms within that ecosystem. And again, like where Jennifer talked about the different 
what, what are they, enzymes, fungi, what are the things that, bacteria. The different bacteria like work together with this. And, and I'm reading this incredible story right now um, about how trees communicate and they signal one another and they give to each other with that. Like we, we are organisms in an ecosystem. We're not just consumers in an economy when it comes to this. And so then that puts a totally different imagination, a different motivation, a different evaluation when we talk about these things. So what are these things? How do we live this? All that, all that to say, how do we do these things? Well, here at Grace, there's kind of, there's kind of four things. There's kind of four buckets that we, we put this into. And they're not neat buckets, but they're generalized buckets with this, right? Is we have Sunday morning. Or we have the time where we gather all together weekly. Why do we do this? Why is this important? It, again, if I'm a consumer, and I'm not being self-deprecating here. I'm really not. And, and honestly, I think like our worship, I'd put it up against any church I've ever been to with that. But hey, if you were honestly looking for the slickest, best produced service, it ain't us. It just... It just ain't us. I can, I can give you a hundred podcasts of women and men who preach better than I do. I, I can show you a dozen places where it's more comfortable to come into with things. But, but Sunday morning is so important for us, for each other, just to see and be seen. To see each other, to be seen. To celebrate to lament, to mourn, to learn, to grieve. Like, like, in a way, Sunday morning is a reset. I'm giving you permission to have hope. I'm giving you permission to have hope in Jesus. I'm giving you permission to not be okay. You get permission. The world is telling you the whole time. Either, one, ignore all your pain and suffering and be okay. Just ignore it, just ignore it, just ignore it. Or, hey, all you are is your suffering. All you are is your trauma. The only thing you are is your grievance. And there's no way out of that. And no, we declare both. We declare, yes, trauma happens. Bad things happen, but there's always hope. And yes, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect to do those things. We come together. And, it, and so each week we are acknowledging those things. We are speaking them out. We're giving you permission to hope, to celebrate, to grieve, and to know that you are not alone. You're not alone in that. There are other people sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you, who are all in this together. Look, I know it's a pain to get up. I know there's a ton of other opportunities to do things. I get that, but I need y'all. We need each other to see and be seen in that. So we have the Sunday morning. But, but honestly, right, we, we can only talk so much. We can only share so much on a Sunday morning. So we need our table fellowships. We need those intentional times during the week where we get together with a smaller group where each of us and all of us can share. Each of us and all of us can work through things. And this fall, our table groups, our table fellowships are going to be centered. Um, we've got different ones in different geographies. We're going to have different dates. We're going to talk about this more later. But where each, each group is going to be doing a different study. They're going to choose a study that they're going to do. 
And they're also going to choose a way to serve. A group to give to together with that. So it's going to be a, ta- a place for tangible action. Fellowship and action with that. And, and look, again, I know everybody's season in life is different. But if at all possible, that, that almost needs to be co-equal in importance with Sunday morning. Like, like it needs to be a priority with that. Along with that, and through that, in a way, comes our serving in community, right? Is that as much as I, say, I, I truly believe what I said, that we all punch above our weight here at the church, we're all involved in stuff. We need to evaluate, are we serving the right place at the right, are we doing what we need to be doing? Listen, your evaluation may tell you you need to cut back a little bit on that. Or it may need to be that you go forward on that. I'm not here to tell you which one. But I'm just saying it needs to be intentional. How and where and who we're serving with that. And then in, along with all this is our commitment to our personal spiritual formation. Um, again, you know, I grew up in a culture where quiet time was hammered into us with this. And I understand there are a lot of pitfalls and there are a lot of wrong ways to do that. But the fact is, you're going to give yourself to something, y'all. You're going to be discipled by something. And you can think, well, I'm not going to do, I don't need that. I don't need my personal, to journal and to to do my devotions and and read, you know, scripture on my own and do these things. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to, you know, listen to NPR on the way every day, two hours of NPR or I'm just going to, you know, do my Twitter scroll or my TikTok feed. That's what's going to disciple you. That's what's going to form your imagination. That's what's going to that's what's going to start to regulate your emotions and your attitudes with that. So you're going to do it anyhow, okay? You're going to give yourself devotionally to something, I would suggest that the wisest course is to really stop and say, what is that thing? What is the thing that is drawing me closer to Jesus? What is the thing that is bringing me peace? What is the thing that is allowing me to grow and to see and to deal maturely with my emotions, with the world around me, with other people? Um, With that. You know, I, I love the quote that Mary-Kate Morse, who's, she's now the, the head of the seminary that I went to, um, she said, spiritual formation is, is our continuing response to the reality of God's grace, shaping us into the likeness of Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit in the community of faith for the glory of God and the sake of the world. Because our personal devotion is never just for ourselves; It's for the glory of God. It's for the sake of the world. That's why we do these things. Of course you don't feel like getting up and reading your Bible in the morning. Does anybody? I mean, granted, when I get in my rhythm of doing that, and I'm really regular with it, I start to really enjoy it. I start to get into it. But I'll take two weeks off, and it'll be like, drums along the Volga, right? Like, just chain me back up to the slave ship so I can do this again. 
I'm sorry if that's, I'm sorry if you think I'm really unspiritual with that. But it's true. If I get out of the practice of it, starting it back up again is like boot camp. Who wants to do that? But y'all, it's not just about me. And the thing that keeps me going back to it is, is when I give up it being about me, I get what I need. When I quit, when I quit going thinking, well, I want Jesus to bedazzle me this morning. Um, something happens along the way with that. So, so those are the four, those are the kind of the four buckets that we need to move forward in. Sunday morning, and listen, y'all, just we are going to be making some decisions soon about where and when we meet. Just, just real quick, this is this is the meeting here at Mount Sequoia has a shelf life. This is not a long-term sustainable um, solution for us as a church. We've been looking for a different place to meet for a year and a half. We've, you know, those of you who were with us, I think it was about a year ago or eight months ago, we put in a bid on a building. It didn't work. We're looking at another space now. But as we look at this space, we may have to make some adjustments in when we meet with that. And we want to have a time. We want to have a place that really fits our ethos, fits all the things we've spent these four weeks talking about with that. But we're going to be making some decisions about that. And we're going to need everybody's input with that. But Sunday mornings and then table groups, you're going to be hearing more about those, like I said, in the next couple weeks. And then you're going to be asked to sign up for one, to be committed to one, and to show up during this fall for that. Serving in the community, that's something that, again, I think a lot of us are already doing, but you're going to evaluate that, look at that, and then finally this personal, this personal commitment to your own development how that looks. And if you have questions about that or anything, I'd, man, listen, there's nothing I like talking more than talking about doing those things. I like talking about it a lot more than I like doing it, honestly. So, but the more I talk about it, the more it helps me do it. So, because then I'm like, okay, I told this person I'd do this, so I better do it with that. Um, now, here's the deal. Here's, hopefully I've walked, I've walked this tightrope that nobody in here is going to walk out feeling burdened or with that and I love the thing um, Jennifer said when she talked about was this when you were dealing with PhD students or or students she talked about when she gets with students and she said she said my job is to ask much of you and trust that you are doing your best your job is discern what is best for you and what you are capable of doing so that's what I'm doing this morning, is I'm asking much of you. I know that. I'm not ignorant to the fact of all the things that everybody in here has to do. Of everything that you got on your plate. I don't have this weird imagination that everybody is in here that showed up this morning and went, I can't wait for John to tell me what to do. <laughs> like, I just, I've cleaned my whole calendar got nothing else to do, and I'm just going to let John tell me how to run my life. I, I get it. I get it. But I can't not ask. I can't not invite you into muchness. That's my job. At least it's part of my job. 
My job is also to trust y'all, to trust each of you and all of y'all, that you will discern what you can do, and then to trust that we're all doing our best. And I do that. I trust y'all. So Jeff, if y'all want to come back up, um, I want to kind of end with this reminder as we transition in here into uh, communion and offering and reflection. Uh, just again, the, the Beekner quote rings in my head. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. And y'all, that's ultimately where this is. I trust you, but really my ultimate confidence is in God. My ultimate confidence is not that Sean's going to figure it out, right? You know, or that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that Becky's going to come up with the perfect plan. I I trust y'all, I do. But my ultimate confidence is in God. God is the one who is calling. God is the one who is directing. God is the one who is empowering. God is the one who is sustaining. God in us, through us, among us. That's where my trust is. That's where my hope is. Not just with y'all, but for me. For us collectively. And we come to this table as evidence in a way, but also as asking. We come to the table and we take the broken bread and the cup representing Jesus' own body. Not a philosophy. Not a theology but an action in remembrance of a thing that Jesus did, not just a thing that Jesus said. This is what Jesus did. The memory of the action that took place, the evidence was in the action of it. And so we take this as to remember that to renew our faith in God, in us, to take this into our bodies and bite it and drink it as a way of saying yes, feeling the tangible promise of God with us. We also give our offerings here because, like we say here, nobody here is without something to give, and none of us here is without a need. Is it... Again, we start thinking more as organisms within an ecosystem instead of consumers in an economy. Is yeah, we all need each other. We're dependent on one another. I'm not just here to get what I can get and then let others fend for themselves. And then we reflect here. This is the time where, again, Sunday morning, we set aside all the other things so we can remember and be remembered. And if there's something that's spoken to you, something that you need to do or something that you need to remember, write it down, reflect Commit to it now, at this time. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.